to episode 33 of the Retrospectors podcast. My name is Patrick Arthur and I'm joined as always by my co-host James Turlings. Are you ready to go very fast and capture the flag, James? Fast? What are you talking about fast? This game is all about slowly wandering down corridors. Yeah, so uh, this uh, this fortnight we are doing Tribes Vengeance, which is the third game in the Tribe series released in 2004 for PC by Rational Games. Uh, but most importantly, it's the first Tribes game and only Tribes game, as far as I'm aware, with a single player campaign. James and I have a decent amount of experience playing Tribes Ascend, uh, the free-to-play game, which released in 010 or 11. Although we're not like experts, we're not pros. I, I never scrimmed it or anything. We got we got you know pretty decent. We had a good grasp on the mechanics. So now we're going back to 2004 to Tribes Vengeance. And it's single player campaign. We played the single player campaign from start to finish. The multiplayer servers for Tribes Vengeance are unfortunately long. Very, dead. very dead, yes. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I believe Tribes Ascend is also somewhat dead, aside yeah, from community or, servers. Although, almost entirely. Yeah. So uh, to expect that original to have an online community is unfortunately not realistic. We are, of course, the Retrospectives podcast. Each and every fortnight, James and I play through a classic game of the past to determine if it has stood the test of time and is a title still worth playing today. We don't really care about evaluating the game in the context in which it was produced. We merely want to understand how good it is to play today alongside modern titles like, is this game worth playing after you've finished playing Doom Eternal, for example? Uh, before we get into the in-depth discussion on the game, its strengths and weaknesses and flaws, there is a little bit of housekeeping associated with this game in particular. Some of these old games run flawlessly. Uh, Tribes Vengeance was slightly tricky to get up and running. So the thing about Tribes Vengeance is that it, you can't actually buy it anywhere unless you can find a physical copy because when... High res made Tribes Ascend back in 2010-11. They made all of the old Tribes games completely free. But there's a catch. Those download links, all the official download links on the website, are broken. Um, you you try and install it and it doesn't work. If you if you try and find the and if you f find the download from another location, so what you need to use if you want to play Tribes Vengeance is you download. Tribes Revengeance, which is a community-made repack of the game. Are you thinking of uh, Metal Gear Revengeance? Yeah, I think uh, Revengeance <laughs> is the greatest word in the English dictionary. <laughs> yeah, well, the Tribes community came up with it before Kojima. So. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so you get this um, community repack. You don't need a CD key. It's got support for higher resolutions. Um and it broadly speaking works, but there are a couple of more minor problems and tweaks. But yeah, just be aware, you can't just you can't buy this game and the official downloads are busted. So you're not doing anything wrong because the high res made it free. It's just you want to download the community version if you want a version that works. So we did encounter some 
ultimately minor technical issues while playing the game. Is that how you describe them? Well, at the time, it was incredibly frustrating, but they were very much front-loaded in terms of the experience. If you uh, if you think that your game crashing out every five minutes is just a little frustrating, I hate to think what a uh, <laughs> what a major inconvenience looks like to you, Patrick. This game it was it was a huge. It was oh a huge God. problem. It was a huge problem to begin with. I was worried that I wasn't be- going to be able to finish the game. Um, however, as you said, this game crashes a lot during one of the early levels. In fact, it's probably going to crash on you anywhere from 5 to 15 times while trying to complete this one level. But you can mostly get around that by skipping all the cutscenes where the crashes occur. Um, and it happens very early on in this kind of sports stadium level. So I would highly recommend if you play this, just skipping all the cutscenes in that level. Basically, after that, they kind of go away. So I also had some issue with some corrupted save files where it wouldn't let me load save files uh, also in that arena section. So as James said, uh, skip the cutscenes. And it's also not a bad idea to use a rolling save system where instead of just having a single save file, like, alternate between one to four and that way if your save file does end up corrupted you'll have you'll have another save file that was my way of getting around the problem yeah at the end of the day you uh you get what you pay for right (laughs) yeah so like like james said major issue to begin with but it kind of faded into mostly nothingness as the game went on after that level it basically never happens but during that level the crashing is basically constant and it's unfortunately one of the more enjoyable levels so you know it's kind of a big mark against the game for me the other minor thing which is quite funny is that the tribes revengeance mod was made for the multiplayer community not for the people who are trying to play this game single player so it's got some odd default settings including a default field of view of 120 oh my god it made me feel (laughs) sick while trying to play it it was insane um i yeah and there's no way to lower this in the game's options so you're gonna have to go out and edit a config file if you want it to be uh, a bit less intense so i um i stuck with the 120 field of view it's not too far removed from the default like 105 i use but yeah there were some issues when enemies were directly in front of me they were kind of hard to see because of how um of how you know skinny each portion of my screen was um i also had an issue when I, where i reloaded save is my sensitivity dropped and acted weird for five to ten seconds but you know yes i got that too i actually thought it was just me not being used to uh the low sensitivity i'd set it to no it was it was definitely an issue because uh, i loaded saves a lot so (laughs) (laughs) i got a a good feeling of it yeah those, those were the main issues so be prepared to get over a couple of minor hiccups but but yeah once you get through that first couple of hours it's mostly all good I believe um, it's time for us to launch into the discussion, James, unless there's something else you want to touch on. No, 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 let's go. Um, Did you want to start off with, I guess, the story? Let's do story first and then we can kind of transition into gameplay because the story of this game dictates the direction of the gameplay in a lot of instances. Okay, so the the basic premise of the game, and it's it's a little tricky to give you a detailed basic premise because the story is a little complicated in how it presents itself. The idea is that you basically are following two stories in parallel that are related. You play as Victoria, an imperial princess, and you play as her daughter, 20 years later, Julia, who is also an imperial princess at the time the story progresses. So 
the older story, Victoria's story, has a lot of events that happen that Julia must unravel in the presence. In the present. So there's a lot of mystery in how it presents itself. Yeah, if I had to describe this game's story, it's basically a cross between sci-fi, Romeo and Juliet, and a murder mystery all at once and uh, told very fragmentedly throughout the experience. Yeah, and I say you have, you know, it's about Julia and Victoria, but there are also like three other point of view characters that you play over the course of this game. Yeah, every level you basically shift perspective between a character, you know, it might be 20 years earlier, might be 10 years earlier, some point during the story, um, and you're constantly thrown about between these characters as you, you know, you progress and you slowly piece together everything that's happened. Um, at first it seems very random, but there is a somewhat of a logic to it once you've finished the game. So the background behind the story is that you've got the Empire, which is the dominant political force, and then you've got a few smaller tribal factions the Blood Eagles and the Phoenixes, which live at the edge of civilization, often in poor areas. At the very beginning of the game, Victoria uh, Victoria's ship is attacked and she's kidnapped by the captain of the Phoenix tribe called Daniel. So the story progresses as Victoria and Daniel get to know one another and they explore perhaps forging an alliance and moving closer together and moving away from the constant war. Yeah, because at the beginning, Daniel captures Victoria and basically only intends to use her as a hostage, right, to get money from the Empire to having her back. Uh, and he kind of uses her to do his bidding for a couple of levels um, through which they kind of banter back and forth with each other. And it's very obvious that Victoria has lived a very cushy life up in the Empire while the tribals are relegated to these wasteland planets living in absolute squalor. And that kind of like class dichotomy defines this relationship between the two for much of the game and them coming together to hopefully patch up the relationship between their factions plays a lot part in the story and obviously it doesn't seem to work out because you jump 20 years later shortly afterwards to julia so a lot of playing the game and engaging with the story is in figuring out the mystery of what actually happened between all these characters 20 years in the past so yeah it's a it's a mystery and you slowly slowly unravel it as you move from mission to mission i have uh, got this inkling that you didn't like this story very much patrick based on these uh, not so subtle hints you've been giving off in discord and through chats we're not allowed to talk about this game until this episode so you've been uh, doing a very poor job of hiding your feelings about <laughs> I, it i couldn't james i so so the thing is i read um I, read, I played this game a little bit when it was released, only a little bit, and I was a kid and I didn't really know what was going on and then I stopped. But yep. I remember reading and I double-checked to make sure I wasn't going crazy that all these journalists were saying that the story of Tribe's Vengeance was a masterpiece. A masterpiece. I think it's fucking terrible. Like, it's not even passable. As in, this is the worst story. This is a worse story than Cave Story. And I wrote an article <laughs> explaining how much I hated the story of Cave Story. The fact that anyone with integrity would give this game a good mark for its story 
is insulting and confusing. If I had to grade this game's story, I would give it like a C minus. I don't hate it as much as you do, but I don't think it's good. I would give it a D minus. It's, it's a D minus. It's very bad. So what didn't you like about it? All right, so let's let's begin. I've got a big long list of complaints here. Okay. The first thing I want to go into is this concept of ludonarrative dissonance. It's a big buzzword. It was thrown out a lock in relation to Bioshock Infinite when it was released. And the essence... Well, that's, that's, that's good because the same person wrote this game as wrote uh, Bioshock Infinite, Ken Levine and uh, the Irrational team, right? Exactly. And I can see where the seeds of that disaster come from because ludonarrative dissonance essentially means that the actions that you take in a gameplay sense don't really mesh well with the actions that are taking place in the story. And there are a couple of uh, noticeable instances of this. Um, So as Victoria, when you're escaping the ship, you don on some armor and you get some guns and you murder single-handedly 50 people, if not more, while you're trying to escape the ship. And then while you're helping Daniel, you murder another 20 creatures that are wildlife and you murder another 50, you know, 30 blood eagles as you're trying to get back to uh, to a safe harbor. And then in the next mission, Daniel is giving you shit as Victoria saying, this isn't some fancy ballroom dance. This is the real deal. <laughs> it's like yeah. I literally murdered a legion of soldiers. I'm ha- ha- why am I being referred to as some individual who has no exposure to violence or the real world as it is i'm a hard and bloody veteran of war at this stage with this many deaths (laughs) under my belt with me doing all the killing single-handedly honestly in general i think a lot of games are guilty of this not just this game right like so many games and uncharted in particular comes to my mind where you just slaughter thousands of thousands of people you are the most like murderous bastard on the planet and the the other characters just don't acknowledge this at all um but it's kind of necessary from a gameplay point of view i think a central tenant to the dynamic between victoria and daniel's relationship though is that daniel is meant to be the hardened veteran who's lived a tough existence and victoria is meant to be the pampered individual who's never had to deal with the real world yeah i actually think i think that's from his point of view right and like from her point of view he's a savage who knows nothing about manners or about courtesy or stuff like that and through the game they come to realize that they're initial impressions of each other are wrong so i don't really have as much of a problem with this as you do because this opinion he has of her isn't supposed to be accurate um he's supposed to be resentful to the empire um for you know basically the empire puts all of these other people out to these planets to live and you know within the empire there's all this propaganda showing that you know these planets they give the the other tribes are great places to live when the reality is that, that they're awful squalorous places and um, that nobody would want to be in but there was a way to write this that was far more reasonable all you have to do is after she's killed 30 people him to say wow maybe i was wrong about you but he's still giving her grief afterwards that's what i'm saying there's... i mean he does come around oh, he does that, on I the think. On the 250th kill, but it should have happened a lot earlier. (laughs) He's not reacting to to the gameplay. Um, The other big moment for me that really kind of annoyed me, there's a moment when you're playing... I'll, I'll just say from this point onwards, spoilers. If you want to enjoy this terrible story, which, you know, 
I wouldn't recommend. But if you want to enjoy this terrible story, uh, skip ahead to the gameplay section because I'm going to be spoiling bits all over the place here. Uh, There's a bit where you're playing as an assassin sniper. You kill a critical target. And the way I did it was I was on the opposite end of the map shooting, you know, shot after shot at the literal opposite end of the map. And then the game cuts to a cutscene with your character in melee range with the sniper rifle going for the killing blow before he gets shot at seconds later. And I'm just looking, thinking of this going, what is going on? Like he's literally a sniper. Why is he in melee range? What? Oh, it it really annoyed me. Yeah. I I guess if you played that way, it was like that, but I basically ditched the sniper on that level as soon as I could. uh, Okay. So I did not have that problem, Um, but I can see that it definitely doesn't account for, you know, a whole bunch of play styles. Um, And we'll get into that later because I actually, uh, I think this game has exactly one fun weapon and the sniper rifle was not that weapon. In terms of the story, I agree with you that overall it's quite poor, but I didn't hate it, right? There were some things that I liked about it. Um, I enjoyed the conversations between Daniel and Victoria, um, and most of the start. I I liked the bants between them. It feels like a shitty B-movie action script, right? Uh, It's not... It's not great. It's not going to wow anybody, but I didn't find it offensive like you did, apart from one bit near the end, which really shit me off. And that was kind of the climax to these two characters' relationship, uh, which is basically predicated upon them not talking to each other at all, despite being in the same room. Absolutely hate it. That's my number one criticism. I agree. It's the number one problem with the plot. Yeah. It's it's actually ludicrous. Um, I burst out laughing that scene. This is meant to be the most dramatic moment of the entire series uh basically what happens is daniel and victoria daniel has finally secured an audience with the emperor after demonstrating his worth uh by killing a hundred of his troops including troops and tanks and an aircraft carrier and a whole bunch of other configurations now that he's done that, the Emperor considers him worthy of talking to. And then Daniel gets a call on his phone where his second-in-command is telling him that there's been a surprise attack by the Empire on his troops. And instead of going, hey, Emperor, what's yeah. going on? <laughs> you know, you guys just launched an attack on my people. Or, yeah, he just, hey, Victoria, <laughs> did you know? He just turns around and stabs the guy, like, no hesitation whatsoever. They don't they don't talk about <laughs> Immediately. it. Immediately. Yeah, I, I hate this kind of writing. Um, I agree with you. This is really bad. Um, because I actually, up until this point, was enjoying the story quite a bit. Uh, sorry, not quite a bit, but, like, enough. And then at this point, I was like, it's so bad. It's not just that, though. So that happens, right? Yeah. And then he runs away and Victoria and Daniel continue to talk to one another over over voice like they're still having comms with one another. And at no point does Daniel say, there would the empire launched a strike on my people. Yeah, yeah, it's so <laughs> painful, right? Like then you meet Daniel and Victor- Victoria and the thing is Victoria's not much better. She doesn't say, "Why did you stab my dad in the neck?" She just says, <laughs> yeah, she she's just- like why <laughs> she's just confused 
and she's there for her revenge and they just don't talk to one another because fucking Ken Levine wanted it to be a mystery. Not because it made sense that it was a mystery, but because he wanted it to be one. Yeah, and that kind of brings me to my biggest criticism of the story, right? Is that I actually like the structure of this game. I like how it jumps around between all the perspectives and how you kind of have to figure out what's going on. I find that kind of storytelling really engaging in general, right? Trying to put all the pieces together. That's fun. The problem with a lot of mysteries for me is that often you can figure out the twists by looking at the story from a meta perspective. Like, you can rule out which characters can't have been the person who did it, and then the only person left, it must be them, right? Mm -hmm. This game is so transparent, you can figure out <laughs> who the culprit was, like, immediately. Not even, like, yeah, like, not even, like, halfway through the game, like, way before that. And to me, mysteries have two major components to them, right? There's the tension. Um, and the intrigue that you know dominates most of the story where you don't know what's going on and you're trying to figure out who did it and then there's the big reveal at the end if it's so easy to figure out the big reveal the tension is impossible to build from that point on right any attempt to build tension doesn't work because you already you know the answer um i prefer mysteries and maybe you'll disagree with me patrick where the the big reveal is completely unguessable because it's like a nonsensical answer to something that's too easy to guess because at least then um, the story can effectively create that good tension. Well, I like both. I mean, um, an example of a story where the answer is unguessable is like the Sherlock Holmes books because Sherlock yeah. is like infinitely smarter than you. There's no there's no way for you to figure out the answer. There's yeah. too many too many gaps. But a well-crafted story can have a mystery where the answer is there. Like Agatha Christie novels are very, very famous for doing exactly that. Yeah, I, I basically think that there should be a lot of like potential answers to the story and as the story progresses it gives you clues and more clues and more clues and every time you get a clue it kind of like narrows down who it could be until you get the final clue and you're like aha it's this person in this game that's not the case at all like it does kind of give you more information but there's not enough red herring characters to you know be like oh it could be this person or it could be this person there's like there's one character whose point of the story hasn't really been explained and they're quite prevalent why is this oh it must be because it's them and i hate that i hate that so much the thing is it's not just that although that is the main thing it's also that the explanation for why Olivia is doing the evil things that she is doing make zero fucking sense. My favorite part was the bit where you're like, why did you do this? And she's like, I'm not some two-dimensional villain. Uh, I rolled my eyes very hard at that scene. Can you, for example, explain to me something? Because I cannot get my head around it. Okay. So there's this moment where uh, you play as Julia and you, um, you successfully capture Jericho who you remember as being evil because he killed your mother Victoria yeah you're just about to kill him you have your gun spin fuser held up to his head ready to kill him and then Olivia stops you so that he can be thrown into jail and then Olivia orders an assassin to break him out of jail so that the assassin can kill him so that he can't tell Julia the secrets of his past. Yeah. But why not just <laughs> let Julia kill him 
and skip the entire issue altogether. Um, that makes no sense, right? I guess from a point of view of the law, it's a bit questionable to have your fu- the kingdom's future ruler be a murderer. Does maybe? she seem like the person who cares about the law? You know what her plan was at the end of the game, James? Her plan was to commit a terrorist attack on her people that would make 9-11 look like an insignificant joke in comparison. She wanted to murder hundreds of thousands of her own citizens and pin it on Julia. That was her plan. That was very bad. I actually agree. I, my opinion of the story from an overview perspective is that the first half of the story is inoffensive and there are some little enjoyable bits. And then towards the end of the game, it becomes an absolute train wreck uh, that I could not recommend to somebody. So basically, I agree that the latter half of this game story is far worse than the beginning because the beginning is at least a lot narrow in scope. But whereas you found the banter kind of somewhat endearing, I found it incredibly put on and annoying and I was utterly unconvinced by Victoria and Daniel's relationship. Um, Daniel's voice acting was okay, but Victoria's was very bad. Yeah, I think that Daniel's voice acting is actually pretty good, and I completely agree with you. Victoria's voice acting is horrendous, yeah. uh, not only in the cutscenes and the intercoms, but uh, also when you take damage in this game, which we'll uh, <laughs> which we'll talk about. The best voice actor though was Jericho, who, uh, if you guys have played, ever played the Warhammer. 40k Dawn of War 2. He's uh he's a voice actor in that game as well. So I recognize I think Jericho is probably the best character in the game, uh, although it's not a very high bar. <laughs> it's not a high bar to cross. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um my final point about my problem with the story is that I feel like the story is incredibly heavily weighted towards the past and not the present. The present, yeah. I don't think Julia got enough, like the the two characters' daughter, I don't think she got enough time on screen. Yeah, she doesn't really do much, right? She kind of fulfills her military function, like she's going to bases and killing stuff, but Victoria is the one with all the, I guess, more, you know, emotional moments, like character-building moments, even though I I feel bad even calling it. Yeah, so there was an imbalance there. Okay. All right, so the story is pretty mediocre and, in Patrick's opinion, complete garbage. It's so bad. Um, But I do think there is one good thing about it that I think you will probably (sighs) agree with. Ooh, are you going to get me to admit that some part of this story is good? Let's see. Okay, not from a narrative point of view, right? I'm not going to force you to try and admit that. That's impossible. Um, But... I actually think the structure of this game's story that jumps around a lot lends itself really well uh, to a video game in terms of uh, having you do different things in the game world and in between levels. One of my favorite things about this game in general is that every level is very significantly different from one another. And this is helped by the fact that the story jumps around a lot. So, you know, you could be doing a tank mission out in the wasteland one second, or you could be back in the palace navigating narrow corridors in a firefight. The game jumps around so much that the game is able to change what's happening gameplay-wise without it feeling super weird. And I really enjoy that. So basically, I disagree with your premise that the gameplay is significantly different from area to area okay i think that the gameplay boils down to the same thing over and over again which we will get into more detail in the gameplay section i guess 
But because that's your premise, I need to attack that in order to attack the story thing. I think that you're right that in theory, games are a good way to to show a shifting of protagonists. But because my perception of the gameplay is that it's incredibly samey, okay. I cannot agree that the story offers anything really structurally interesting in that way. So uh, sorry, James, can't get me to admit it, but it's more of a gameplay hook than a story one. Well, I actually strongly disagree. I think the game does an excellent job of mixing up its gameplay. Um, so I guess that's a pretty good segue into it. So do you want to talk about the gameplay a bit now? We will, but um, before we do, we'll have a quick music break. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> should, we, um, should we do your song first, James? My song? Um, in general, I didn't find the soundtrack of this game super interesting, but I did quite like the main menu theme um which is called rocky exploring and i think this is really one of the only tracks in the game to have a fairly consistent you know like melody in your face kind of thing everything else kind of like fades into the background a lot so this is the only one that i really remembered um when i was going back through the music which generally thought was quite forgettable so here's rocky exploring That was Rocky Exploring, one of the only tracks that James enjoyed from this excellent soundtrack because he has terrible taste in music. But more on that later. Uh, For now, we're going to be talking more about the gameplay, and I believe this will be where most of our discussion takes place. So the things you need to understand about Tribes is that it is, of course, a first-person shooter. But there are a couple of things that define tribes as unique. Uh, The first one is the prevalence of jetpacks. Jetpacks are a thing that exist in a lot of games nowadays, particularly first-person games. But tribes, your jetpack is an essential piece of technology. These maps that you're traversing are quite large and often quite vertical. So you can jetpack up to ridiculous heights. It's a recharging jetpack. It takes about five seconds to go from empty to full, which really isn't that long in terms of, you know, single player games. So it's a very powerful tool. The other side of the jetpacking coin is a mechanic in tribes called skiing. Basically, and this is this combined with jetpacking is exactly what creates the tribes feel. If you hold down spacebar, um, you'll enter skiing mode where you kind of slide along surfaces. It's like your feet suddenly have zero friction, right? It's suddenly yeah, the floor is ice. Yeah. yeah, and if you're going down a slope, you gain speed. 
So a lot of the movement in tribes and a lot of optimizing your movement in tribes is very simple. If there's a downward slope, you hold down space bar to gather speed until you get to the bottom of that slope. And then you use that speed to put your jetpack into action and you gain a lot of momentum. The faster you're going when you activate the jetpack, the faster you're going to jetpack upwards as you ascend. So you'll uh, slide down slopes, then as you are about to hit the ascension part, you rear up your rev up your jetpack, and then you look for another slope to crash down on. Those are the basic movement mechanics. There's no jump. Like the jetpack is your is effectively is your how you yep. jump. Yeah. The other half of tribes that is worth explaining is a basic overview of the weapons, and that is that the weapons are all pieces of crap. <laughs> Mostly in video games, it's a goal of the game that the weapons are powerful and that the weapons are a match to your movement options. Like if you look at, you know, Quake 3 Arena, the guns generally feel very powerful. There's a lot of insta-kill weapons. They shoot fast. They have large explosion radiuses. In Tribes, the guns are fucking terrible. The yeah, hit-scan weapons so bad. <laughs> The sniper sucks. The rocket launcher equivalent is slow shooting. It's terrible. And this dynamic of having insane movement and not very powerful weapons creates a really interesting multiplayer dynamic where you can effectively evade enemy fire and be close to untouchable if your movement is good enough. So Tribes has taken this multiplayer dynamic and it's applied it to a single-player campaign. And in my opinion, it's a complete failure. Um, before I get into the specifics of that, do you feel that's a fair conceptualization, James? And do you agree? Or do you think it does a fine job? Uh, I think that's a fair explanation. One thing I do want to go into um, is that, you know, just to be upfront, I think this game's gameplay and Tribe's gameplay in general is carried by two things, the movement, which you've explained, and exactly one of the weapons, which you didn't really go into. Um, mm -hmm. And that weapon's called the Spin Fuser. It's kind of like a rocket launcher, right? Except the projectile moves extremely slowly, right? Mm -hmm. um, and the hit is very powerful. And kind of the, the gameplay conceit of this is because everything moves so fast and your projectile weapon that is really powerful but really slow... Uh, goes quite slow it becomes a game of trying to predict where your enemy is going to like your opponent is going to move uh, and trying to lead your shots so that they you know uh, zoom into them or try to get good enough to get close to be able to shoot it into their chest and Honestly, I think that the spin fuser and the movement together provide some really fun gameplay, but all of the other weapons, as you said, are shit, um, and I don't really like using them. The the full auto machine gun in particular shoots like garbage. Uh, it, sh it shoots at like, I don't know, like 90 degree angles to the gun with occasionally a shot that will go on target. So before, before we get into the details, we need to disclose something so james and i played on different difficulties so i played oh my god yes i played on hard and james played on normal and there's a very simple but dramatic difference between the two game modes uh the the first smaller difference is you have slightly more health like a third or a quarter extra health on um on normal than you do on hard but the big difference is that from from normal to hard the enemies every enemy in the game 
has literally triple the HP of the normal equivalent. And there's no difference to the AI either, right? No, exactly the same. Because I, I went back and I played normal a bit to get a feel for what the game was like. And it was that just... That sounds like a nightmare, in my opinion. Yeah, well... Because on normal... The game is very specifically balanced about that spin fuser weapon which we just described because most of the enemies in the game except the dudes in heavy armor because there are there's about three different there's three different armors you can wear in this game light medium and heavy and the light armored people and the medium armor people all die to one hit from the chest from the spin fuser and about two shots because if it hits the ground it has a bit of an explosion radius that does less damage than a direct hit um, they'll die in about two glancing hits, right? That makes it really satisfying on normal to land chest shots on people because it instantly takes them out. You feel really good. It sounds like that's not the case on hard. No, the most basic grunt enemy in the game requires two direct hits and a splash damage hit to kill. That's like the most absolute basic enemy in the entire game. That sounds horrendous, honestly. Um, I had a lot of fun just, um, like, at the start of this game, I sucked at using that weapon because, you know, it takes a bit of precision to land. And then by the end, I was hitting, like, chest shots left and right, and I felt really good about it. I don't think... You, you must have never reached that point playing on hard, right? Well, basically, I'm heavily conflicted about this because I played through on hard first, and it was really difficult. But then I played through on normal and I wanted to fall asleep. It was so easy. It's like I would walk into a room and I could just walk around the floor, not using my jetpack at all, kill everyone and not be in any danger whatsoever. Because when, yeah. when, when you get used to the enemies having a lot of HP, you need to land a lot of hits. And you have you got you to gotta think of it like this. You have one third the amount of ammo. <laughs> if the enemies are taking three times as many hits, you need to be more accurate. I would just want to jump in on, you know how you said the spin fuser is the only good weapon? I think that the mortar is a very good weapon as well. I don't know what you think, but that weapon was, I thought, the most powerful weapon of them all. Like, I found it far... Okay, it, it's powerful, but I don't find it as fun to use, basically. Okay, for um, me, the mortar was, like, essential to actually kill a lot of enemies because when, when you get attacked by five or six enemies with 200 HP... You're not getting yeah. the job done with just a spin fuser when the spin fuser requires three hits to kill the basic mooks. So it just sounds so bad. I, I can't imagine having played this on normal. I, I hate games that just inflate HP values. It's awful. This game has a really good movement system, um, and the enemies don't move around too much on normal. I figured that on hard they would just have better movement and it would be harder to hit them. Well, I, I don't I didn't really see much big difference. Like the duelists kind of move around and use their jetpacks a little bit on normal, right? Like it's it's just there's no real advanced movement. They're not taking advantage of skiing or anything. That's just kind of yeah. jetpacking up and down. I do think that normal, the enemies have too little HP. And I don't know if that's biased because I've played through the game on hard. The bosses are stupid. The bosses have way too much HP. But the regular enemies, some of them, it's fine. Like, you do learn to hit your shots and kill enemies in specific situations but normal was so boring like i never felt in any danger whatsoever 
So I think I that... think it would have been better for there to be three times the number of enemies rather than oh my they God. all have triple the health, that right? Would be, that like would you be still insane. you still get the satisfaction of being able to one hit things and it's more hectic, but it just sounds like such a slog, right? Three, three times is a lot. I think that even if it was two times or one point five times, that would have been an improvement. Um, the... Yeah, but if you balance the whole game around weapons damage compared to their life you can't just throw that out the window with a difficulty setting i think that's so dumb yeah there should have been more subtlety to the way it was done um one thing that really annoyed me was the sniper rifle at full power with a headshot will do like 85 damage or something like that and the basic enemy has 140 hp so you don't even have the satisfaction of a one-shot sniper kill when you play on hard. And I was really angry at that because... On normal, a full-charge sniper one-hits things to the chest. Yeah, like the whole the whole reason to play a sniper, like the whole joy of it is that if you hit the shot, you get the yeah, kill. Yeah, you get the kill, and yeah. Yeah, you play okay, it. Okay, 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 okay. So the difficulty is garbage, right? Um, the difficulty settings in this game are not good. But how did you feel about the the basic gameplay loop of skiing and shooting? So, so this is the problem, right? And this is what I was alluding to before. I don't think that the basic gameplay loop is skiing and shooting. I think that there are outdoor areas where you jetpack around and dodge enemy projectiles while you kill them. There are lots of indoor areas where you're jetpacking around killing guys, but there's basically zero areas in the game where there is any advantage to creating momentum. Yeah, it's really weird. For a game with such a cool movement system, and I'll say this now, right? I love the movement in this game. Yeah. Uh, Shooting around and gaining speed is incredibly fun, just like it was when I played Tribes of Sen back in the day. It was incredibly fun, but none of the level design... Like, most of the level design is quite round. Even the indoor areas and the corridors have, you know, circular kind of shapes to them so that you can ski if you want to. But... You're basically not rewarded for doing it other than, you know, the pure joy of going fast, right? Which I uh, did do sometimes. <laughs> I yeah, would I just do go that on the sometimes. I just do yeah. it because it's fun, yeah. yeah. But you don't need to do it to be good at the game because the enemies don't aim well enough. You can just, like, jetpack left and jetpack right a few inches and dodge fire, which is really disappointing considering how robust it is. Honestly, there was one level in the game that kind of rewarded you for doing this, and it was the sports level right at the start. Which was way too easy. And crashed all the time. Yeah. Um, Which is really disappointing. That was actually my favourite level in the game by quite a bit, or at least it would have been if it wasn't so frustrating. This is a problem when you take a game that is known for a particular thing and it's multiplayer which is going fast and then you fail to leverage that essential thing that makes the game fun like everything that i loved about tribes is all related to either going fast or trying to kill other people as they're going fast. Yeah. Um, it's why the most commonly played mode is capture the flag. Like how many game first-person shooters in existence nowadays have capture the flag as their primary game mode? It's none of them. 
Capture the flag is considered obsolete, but in tribes, it was the perfect mode because you had people trying to zoom as fast as they could to get the flag, and then you chased them or you got chased, or you had people preventing it, either people trying to snipe people traveling through the air at 300 kilometers an hour, or even the more defensive classes like the, I think it's called the Doombringer or whatever, had to use barriers and mines to try and stop these players from doing it. That is the core of what makes Tribes fun, and this single-player game completely fails to leverage that. I don't think completely is the right word. I still had fun in a number of levels, and the the main thing that contributed to that was that I really like using the spin fuser to kill enemies with. I just think it's a very fun, slow projectile weapon. Uh, it's really satisfying to land shots from predicting enemy movement, which is definitely reduced here because you're playing against some pretty shitty AI, but in general, like I, I really liked killing enemies with that gun, and it uh, honestly carried the game for me you know on its back it was enjoyable i will concede that the spin fuser is a fun weapon to use even when you're using it against brain dead ii there is something satisfying about predicting that movement and you always get that feeling of whenever you get a direct hit like it feels really good like it's difficult so uh those blue plate specials do feel really good i have to say though james and maybe this is because i was playing on hard i don't know if you had this issue at all but when i played this game I was in scavenge mode 100% of my playtime. <laughs> really? Well, so so the thing is, my HP is lower. The enemies have more HP. So it takes more ammo to kill them, and they do more damage to me with their weapons. Oh, do you, you mean for ammo? I basically never had that problem. Yeah, no, health, I did have that issue. I would call it an issue. I actually think the health system in this game is really good because every enemy in the game drops a little health pack that heals you over time for a small amount, right? So uh, I think this encourages, you know, comeback kind of strategies where if you're low on health, the only way to, you know, come back from that is to kill things and grab the health pack. So you're encouraged to play aggressively, not just like sit in a corner and let your health regen unless you have the healing pack, which is a piece of shit and I hate that kind of game design. But in general, I think um, having enemies drop health so that you're forced to go and fight them is a good thing. Yeah, it's. I guess the problem is more that the enemies were doing too much damage to me on hard mode. So it was always this desperate struggle for survival. And it was so easy for me to enter a fight with, you know, 140 HP and then I would die and my save would get rolled back. And then I'd be like, I can't keep doing this fight at 140 HP. So I'd have to roll back to an (laughs) earlier save until I was getting through each and every fight with a reasonable amount of HP. Really? I never had that issue. I always felt like if I got low, I could fight things and get my health back. Yeah, because the enemies died in one hit. The game game on normal is is a... is very easy. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that in hindsight, having struggled through this game on hard. Yeah, you know, I think you um, definitely got a lot better at the game than I did because of that. And, yeah. you know, going back on normal is probably not going to be fun. But it's funny because I actually think one of my very favorite pieces of design in this game wouldn't be as apparent on hard as it is on normal. Mm-hmm. And that is that the spin fuser has quite a lot of physics interaction with the player models, both you and the enemies. So if something gets caught in the explosion, it gets knocked back quite a bit, right? Like Mm -hmm. those enemies gain a lot of momentum and go flying. 
Um, and what this does on normal is that it really rewards you for hitting your chest shots because it kills them instantly. If you shoot and hit them on the feet, it sends them flying and you have to like re-aim your gun. It like punishes you. You can't just shoot two shots at their feet really quickly because the first one will knock it out of the way of the second one. Um, and that really, really encourages you to be accurate. It's really funny that you say it punishes you because I don't actually think that's the case. Because when you shoot it at their feet, they kind of move in a controlled direction. So you can okay. get the follow-up shot a lot easier. The problem with not, you know, with not getting the the directional push is that the enemies are free to move in whichever way they want. When you yeah. when you shoot near them, they always get pushed in the direction opposite. So I don't think that's a punishing thing. I think it's a benefit to the player. And it was a benefit to the player in my multiplayer experiences, most of the time anyway. I don't really mean punishment. I mean, it kind of prevents you from just shooting a whole bunch at the ground at the same time, right? It means you have to be more active with your aiming. Oh, sure. That does make sense, particularly because the AI isn't being particular moving around a lot either if the ai was standing yeah. still it would be easy to just shoot three shots it adds more of a game to the the aiming right it makes, like, it, more it, makes dynamic, it more interesting yeah. yeah yeah and i really like that which i think doesn't matter as much on the high difficulties maybe because um i guess things get knocked back if you hit them in the chest as well yeah well I that's don't the actually thing, know. yeah you shoot them yeah. in the chest and they get knocked back so you have to learn how to follow up the shots um, I wanted to dive now into probably my, my favorite section of discussing about the gameplay, and that is the notion of cheesing. I don't know if you did any cheesing or if you even know what cheesing is, but it's when you complete a level or objective using questionable tactics. Dubious methods. Yeah, yeah, dubious methods. And I did a lot of cheesing in this game. I didn't do much, but I did cheese one of the bosses near the end of the game. Mm -hmm. um, there is this level where you play as Julia and you complete a bunch of different trials, mm -hmm. which I thought were all kind of fun and varied. I thought that was one of my favorite levels. Mm -hmm. And then after the trials, you fight a boss, which is in fairly close combat, and she has this shield that deflects bullets right until she throws the shield which opens her up what i did for that boss was i equipped a speed pack and pulled out my melee weapon and dark souls style circle strafed her <laughs> hitting her in the back for about 10 minutes um so she couldn't attack me back and i would just killed her perfectly uh it was very uh very immersion breaking and stupid but it worked so imagine that fight but instead of 300 hp she has a thousand and eighty because that's the fight I did. And I also cheesed that boss. But the way I cheesed her was I jetpacked up to this weird root in the sky that kind of blocked her. And she kept trying to fly up to me but ran out of jetpacks. And every time she did that, I could throw my buckler at her. And I rinsed and repeat until she died. That sounds very boring, uh, but dude, I guess my method wasn't much but, much more just interesting. Just let, let me let me explain some of the cheese methods I use. So, so the one I'm proudest of is there's this mission where you're in like this rover, like a car with medical supplies, and you need to yep. get it to the tunnel. And you start in the south uh, southwest corner of the map, and the exit to leave the level is actually just directly above you. But there's, you know, you're on a road with hills on either side, and there's a big river. And if your vehicle goes in the water, it takes a lot of damage very quickly. So what I did was I skipped 90% of this mission. I found oh a way to get up onto the edge of the hill, 
And I realized <laughs> that if you had enough momentum going down into the river, you would kind of go and put your thrusters on at the right time. You would go down, you would continue gaining speed underwater and you could come up the other side and your vehicle would have like, I don't know, 50 of its 2300 HP left. And then you can yeah. just drive to the end after skipping the entire level. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Do you think stuff like that adds to a game? Because uh, in general, yeah. it makes you feel well, quite smart, so, right? So the mission was get the medical supplies to Julia. Now it did take me twenty odd attempts to successfully do that, but on the <laughs> attempt that I did it, it was the right move. All right, you ready for this? I've got more cheese methods. Okay. 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 So the missions I struggled the most with in this game, like. I was just like, what the fuck am I meant to do? Um, you know when you take control of Jericho and you have all these wave defense missions where you have to set up defenses and then you get attacked yes. from all directions? That, that, that mission was pretty fun. It was a nightmare because <laughs> yeah. you get attacked by like 15 enemies and there's no like safe place to retreat to to take it at your own pace and they come at you from multiple directions so when you consider they've all got as much HP as they have, it was very, very difficult to actually beat those missions for me. So I had to resort to cheese methods to get through. Yeah. So my favorite one was there were these crates that were scattered about the environment. This is pre-Havoc physics, so it's like pretty suspicious. But what you can do is if you ram into these crates in the heavy armor, they do move a bit. So I spent about five to 10 minutes ramming four of these crates into a doorway. What? <laughs> so that when the enemies fought from that direction, they just got stuck behind all those oh crates. Oh my God. <laughs> so I was only having to deal with enemies from two directions instead of three. The other one on that same mission was the very final defense sequence I just found a spot where none of the enemies could reach me and sat still for two minutes while they kind of jetpacked around aimlessly and their pathfinding wouldn't let them reach me. I shot enemies in the chest and it was fun. <laughs> what I'm just getting from man. this discussion is just that don't play on hard, right? Is yeah, the it's... loudest thing. I can't recommend this it's enough. Stupid. Holy shit, just play this game on normal if you're going to play it, please, for the love of God. The other, the final notable cheese thing, I, I don't know if it's really cheesing, but the where you're uh, playing is Mercury and you need to kill Jericho, he has like 2,000 HP. This mission really pissed me off, actually, because right. you have Imperial troops coming up and you have uh, Phoenix troops coming up and they're all shooting at you. Like the Imperial troop will be right next to Jericho, who's the escape prisoner, and they're both standing side by side <laughs> shooting at you. And not each other, yeah. Yeah. Jericho's yeah. got like 2,000 HP. The sniper rifle headshot does like 85 damage. And he's got a mortar that's accurate over like unlimited distance. But I found that if you got to the top of the tallest tower, his mortar shots would kind of go past you if you strafed left and right at the same time. So I got up there and I shot 45 sniper bullets at him, refreshing my ammo at the stashes all over the place until he finally died. That sounds that horrific. Why would you do that? Was. Why did you because not I drop it down to normal like halfway through the game? Because you, you can't, I don't think. The, no. You might be able to go to a config file and edit it, but I couldn't see any obvious way to do it. I am so glad that I played this on normal. So <laughs> glad. 
Uh, um, Alright, so man. let's get into the argument because you said before you don't think that this game mixes up its gameplay very much and like I kind, of ag- no. I kind of agree that the core core gameplay of just jetpacking and spin fears doing things doesn't really change but I like that the gameplay changes up enough that each level feels very distinct from one in each other and I'll give you some examples, right? So early mm. on there's this uh, mission that takes place in a sports stadium and you play a sports match with a commentator commentating your actions and the actions of the enemy team and you play stuff like capture the flag and get the little orbs back to your base and deathmatch and there's a boss so there's and then you never do another sports game again and then there's some levels where you do a lot of fighting in close corridors and then there's some levels where you do, you know, big open areas with lots of places to ski. And all through these levels, you've got different loadouts and different weapons, which, you know, most games have. But uh, I think that each level introduces something new generally, right? One of my favorite levels in the game, which you probably hated, was this level early on where you play as Julia when she's a child. And you have this grappling hook and you yes. have to navigate the level with a grappling hook that lets you, you know, swing from the ceiling and do a bit of platforming um and i think that that was very different to you know the level before it which was running around and shooting dudes and then you know there's that level near the end of the game which is a bunch of different trials where you do very specific tasks like try to do a race in the fastest time possible and it teaches you to shoot rockets at your feet to go faster and you know there's a whole bunch of different like vehicle missions and base capturing and defense and that kind of thing and i think that because you know every level was significantly different to each other thanks to the story i never really got bored while playing the story which i definitely would have if every level was shooting guys to me there were two sorts of missions the decent ones and the rest which were crap right yeah decent missions were as you alluded to the trials one and the sports one um the trials one was fun because it was actually challenging that one where you had to go really fast yeah it was there were small and contained challenges that actually forced you to have pretty good movement. The sports one was fun because you actually got to ski because <laughs> you actually yeah. got to gain <laughs> momentum and it was over far, far too soon. Yeah, and I liked the announcer talking shit about both of the teams. I uh, yeah, found that really funny. But I found that all of the missions, whether you're destroying generators or trying to retrieve intel or trying to assassinate someone, they boiled down to the same thing. You were shooting dudes with guns and it was a grind for me. Like it really was. Uh, killing all those enemies, scavenging for ammo, getting health and you do it over and over and over again. The problem is that there's nothing Nothing new really or dynamically interesting that gets introduced as the game goes along. Yeah, you get these slightly different vehicles, uh, you know, but they're basically gimmicks. There's no... What I wanted this game to do was to evolve into a, a game where you're going fast, and it never did. They don't... They don't ever take that extra step. Is this, um, is this a problem with your expectations and the fact that you played on hard? Because previously we played Doom, Quake, and Call of Duty on this podcast, and mm. I would say that all of those games have less gameplay variety than this game, um, but you, d- you probably didn't find those to be a repetitive slog, did you? Well, the intrinsic gameplay of Doom, Quake, and COD I find far more interesting. Really? Because, well, okay, so... For example, in Doom, there are many different enemy types that all act in very different ways. You have the Pinky who's rushing you in melee, the Imps who are throwing fireballs at you, you have the hit scanners, 
Um, I've played more Doom 2 recently than Doom. So I'm thinking more like, you know, the Archvile acts very differently and the, you know, the Chain Gunners act very differently. And when combined yeah, okay. in different no, no, ways... No. I, yeah. I agree with you that one of this game's biggest weaknesses is the lack of enemy variety. Um, I think this hurts the game a lot, actually. Um, and I think they really should have introduced more enemy variety to, you know, mix up what you were doing, because I think that this game's core movement and projectile shooting is incredibly fun. Yes. Um, I think it's much more fun than those games I listed before. I think it's, you know, more fun to run around and shoot things in than, you know, uh, Quake and Doom and whatever. But the game doesn't give you enough interesting things to actually shoot to force you to make use of these things to their full potential and because of that it really suffers those games have much simpler kits and they do a lot more with them because they force you into more interesting situations and this game doesn't do that so tribes vengeance reminds me of another game called counter-strike condition zero so as James knows, I'm massively, massive Counter-Strike fan. I've played that shooter more than any other. Condition Zero had a single-player game. It was a single-player Counter-Strike game, and it was shit. It was uninteresting, unappealing, because you can't just take a multiplayer game, put, turn it into a single-player game by slapping a story on it and expect it to capture the essence of what makes it fun. At best, it's going to be a tutorial. And that's kind of how I feel about this game's gameplay. It feels like it feels part like a, of tutorial it is a tutorial for a multiplayer game, right? Yeah, and the bits which are most obviously a tutorial for the multiplayer game are the strongest parts of it, and those those are the highlights. I think what that I when really it... didn't like about this game was that it does feel like a tutorial, but it never builds up into playing a full game of Tribes. Like I thought the final yeah. level was definitely going to be a full match, and then it wasn't, and I was really upset about that. What what did you think about Daniel's um Daniel's mission where he's in the arena proving his worth because that was the most difficult mission by far in the entire game for me. Um I did die on it a couple times. Uh it was quite difficult, but I I enjoyed it. Um not as much as some of the other missions, my favorites being, you know, trials and the sports and the little kid mission, but it was fine, right? I think I'm once again the victim of difficulty. Yeah, because, yeah. Uh, it really feels like your gameplay experience suffered because of this. Yeah, but I didn't enjoy normal when I went back to it either. I've kind of, I've kind of ruined both modes for myself. Yeah, I don't think that the gameplay experience of the story mode is bad. Like, I had a lot of fun at points. Um, I had much more fun playing this game than I did playing quake for example quake okay call of duty makes sense to me but really i like the movement's so much better in this game uh i don't know i i really enjoyed most of the gameplay experience and i think it's because things are so satisfying to kill in one hit when you got that you know really good shot yeah see i felt it was basically bland and repetitive and that even though the movement and shooting is good it was just so obviously made for multiplayer and it didn't work in a single-player environment. Yeah, I, I don't so know. So it's, Basic... it's this weird dichotomy. The story's jumping around. You're always jumping around from different characters who are talking about, you know, different experiences that they're having in the game world. Um, you're jumping around from corridor shooting to these defense missions to vehicle sections to grappling hook sections. I thought that it did a really good job of spicing things up, and because of that, I just... 
was able to play this game for a lot longer than I would be able to play other games for, you know. I finished this game in a couple of sittings and really enjoyed it. See, for me, it was an endless repetitive struggle yeah. of scavenging yeah. and, and, and not dying and rolling saves. And I feel like that's because you played on hard, honestly. I reckon if you had gone into this on normal to begin with, uh, you probably would have had an okay time. Yeah, it's it's weird, right? Because I've, I've played about a third of the game on normal to get a feel for it, and it was so boring. Like, I, ju- I just was like... I don't understand where the challenge is because I, I could I could just stomp around on the floor shooting everyone and not really get close to dying. So it was yeah. like it was, it was a very surreal sort of experience. I, I mean, I can see how that can be fun in some sense, but after playing it on hard to not be challenged. To be clear, I do think normal's too easy as well. Okay, sure. Um, like I never really had much of a trouble, but I found that the simple act of, you know, aiming the spin fuser and landing it to be fun enough that I didn't really mind that it wasn't challenging me enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a couple bits that were a bit more difficult. For me, the most difficult level was the one where Daniel is hacking that device and you have to protect the base from the waves. Oh uh, yeah, I, that I was struggled very right hard. at the end of yeah. that. Yeah. yeah, but you know, in general movement and shooting really fun uh and you know game feel trumps a lot of things for me okay um i've talked about most of what i want to about the gameplay was there anything else or do you want to go into a music break yeah let's do the last music break and then we can talk about that a bit more because you uh you seem to have liked it a lot more than i did yeah i certainly did um one of the things that uh is worth praising about this soundtrack it's a simple thing but it's something that's quite rare with these older games is that it has both ambient slash exploring soundtracks and combat soundtracks. Um, So James selected an ambient soundtrack, and this one is called Alpine Combat. And this is one of the battle themes that plays when you get into a fight. I'll talk more about the music after the break, but I was quite high on it. I thought it was a good soundtrack. This is Alpine Combat. That was Alpine Combat, and Patrick, you said you liked this soundtrack. Personally, I found it to be okay. I didn't hate it at any point, but once I finished the game, I just couldn't remember a single song off of it. Um, And, you know, when I went back and listened to the OST on YouTube, I couldn't remember hearing any of those songs while playing the game. So I will say that it was not a soundtrack that stuck in my head after the fact. But when I was listening back to the soundtrack, they all came back to me and I remembered where I'd heard them all before. 
I think that one of the things I really like about this soundtrack is that there are a lot of different sorts of sounds. There's the bassier sort of like uh, groovier ones, uh, like the Rocky one, the Rocky combat theme. But then you've also got uh, some more orchestral tracks. And in general, the soundtrack features this great fusion of orchestral violins and cellos with synthetic sort of computer sounds. And it's tied together with these um, with uh, some rhythmic drums. None of the tracks or few of the tracks have that like insanely fast-paced intensity of something like Armored Core or most recently Archimedean Dynasty. It's a slightly more restrained approach to music. And I, I really like Alpine Combat. I like the cross between the orchestral and the computer sounds. It's a, uh, it, to me, it's fairly unique and it's very interesting and it's very well done. One good thing I do think about the soundtrack is that it's not in your face. It's kind of like, ba- it's it's really backgroundy music, right? So you can be listening to it to a long period of time without it getting on your nerves. Because that's something that um, I guess recently I've discovered that I absolutely hate is when there are these songs that are in your face on a really short loop uh, that mm-hmm. just get in your head and drive you insane. But, you know, not at once during this game did I think wow this is bad about the soundtrack but neither was it ever good enough that it took me out of my immersion to think you know this is amazing it was just it was okay it did its job i didn't love it right yeah and and that's fair enough like uh i, I don't expect you to have good music taste as everyone knows i'm the music <laughs> you connoisseur, are the musical on, this connoisseur <laughs> on this podcast man who played games without the sound turned on for many years i know i know i'm a changed man james i'm a changed oh man. yeah <laughs> Um, can we talk about the number one worst thing about this entire game for a second? The noise that the women make when they get shot? Yes, exactly. (laughs) Oh my god. It's not just like... It's so bad. I can't get over how bad it is, right? Like, when you're playing one of the female characters and you get shot, they make these screaming sounds. Like, it's not like once every every few, you know, 30 seconds or so. It's like one every three seconds if you're getting shot at. Yeah, even if you get hit by one bullet that does three damage to you, you'll make the, you'll make the scream. Screaming sound? <laughs> yeah. And it's, like, constant. <laughs> like, this is probably why I don't remember the music, because these, in my mind, the soundtrack of this game are these voice actors screaming into the microphone for like a 10 minute battle or whatever it is atrocious that's where the voice acting budget went it went all into doing the repeated screams screams oh my god it's so bad i hate it i think the sound in general apart from that is quite good though like the sound of the spin fuser and the mortars and everything and i love the sound of sliding around too i I think it's uh you describe it as like low fidelity Is, is that the word for yeah, like it's yeah, not, it's not like very a high crisp... quality, but yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's I, I didn't yeah. love it. Um, the voice acting's very hit or miss. Uh, some of the characters, like Daniel and Jericho, are okay, and then everyone else is garbaceous. <laughs> Jericho is definitely the best. That um, that deep gravelly voice is. It matches his character, yeah. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's very well yeah done. those two are fine. Everyone else, pretty bad. Olivia is fine, I think. She's got that regal accent. It's just her character is so fucking Sucks. stupid. Yeah, and then there was <laughs> like, that cutscene at the end of the game where she's talking to the robot Mercury about her evil plan. And it's really uh, bizarre. They like talk, and then there's a 10 second pause, and then the next oh, person talks. I was going to mention that. Yeah. How bad if is I, it? It's really weird. No, no, no. That's a, that's a bug. I, I, oh, I, is I, it? Guarantee, I guarantee you because you're watching it there's no reason for there to be a 10 second pause there that's it just, just be that bad 100 percent a bug okay it's it's it doesn't make any sense because there's exactly <laughs> a 10 second pause after every gap while it kind of zooms in on their face yeah <laughs> it really get... disconcerting for one of the most tense and most menacing <laughs> scenes of the game and it's like uncanny valley here it's horrendous um, I, I kept thinking what am i doing what is this story yeah. uh, in general, with the cutscenes, the graphics haven't aged very well. I have a soft spot for this like PS2 era graphic quality, graphical <laughs> quality, uh, because I grew up around that time and it feels very nostalgic for me. But it's not mm -hmm. good, right? You can't say it looks nice. So yeah, the way I would describe it is that it's blocky and ugly. Like you said, I, I don't know if PS2 era is quite correct because it's PC graphics. See, this game came out in the same year as Half-Life 2 and <laughs> significantly worse than, than that. I will say I didn't actually hate the graphics. So one of the things that I think was really well done this game was its use of color and lighting. I think okay. that the environments, particularly the indoor environments, Yes, they were they led horrible, boring, repetitive gameplay experiences. But I think that there was a lot of unique visual colors that you experienced as you moved through this game. It was all very clear and you know softly lit. And I don't know, I, I thought it was quite a good look. I think this game is very campy, right? And I think the graphics kind of lend themselves to that. Maybe even if it's not intentional, but I didn't hate the way this game looked. I really like some of the little touches, like how when you shoot the spin fuser, it's got that blue trail behind it so you can more mm -hmm. easily see it, and that helps with the gameplay a lot. Um, and I like the armor designs of tribes in general. I think it looks really cool. Like, it's a sci-fi setting um, and, you know, all the, the packs are cool enough. And I like the, actually really like the gun models. Um, I think mm -hmm. they're all really unique and interesting. Even the boring shotgun and automated fire gun, and especially the melee weapon too, looks really cool. But it's you know, like it's, a lightsaber on a stick. Yeah, that like shoots forward when you click it. But uh, oh. it's nothing to write home about, right? But it's not offensively terrible. I, I think that I also wanted to give a shout out to the architecture because the architecture in this game is very obviously designed to be skied off. There's a lot of like pyramid sort of shapes and yeah. the generators and the lifts and everything are in these rooms that with uh, curved surfaces curved and everything. surfaces that just shouldn't make sense, but it does from a gameplay perspective. Well, it all makes sense from a gameplay perspective. And I don't know how it probably doesn't make sense from an architectural perspective, but it certainly gave this game a unique look. Yeah. Like in the sea of bland, samey looking worlds that we're given, tribes looked visually distinct because of this 
you know, gameplay contrivance of having everything be skied off. So I quite like that. It gave it its own flavor. Yeah, I, I didn't hate the graphics. I would say they're, you know, slightly below average. I mean, by today's standards, they're completely garbage, right? Yeah, but... yeah it's, it's blocky and ugly, but it's got enough going on that I didn't hate it. Like I said, I like the use of color. I think, um, I think it was very well, well directed. I know um, we always get into this argument where, um, you know, we're, we're reviewing these games from the modern perspective, but I think mm. that of all the categories, uh, graphics is the one that you kind of go into the game expecting it to not look great. Um, and, you know, you, hold, you always hold gameplay up to a much higher standard than the graphics, but in terms of... Oh, actually, there was a couple. There was one thing that I really didn't like about the. Oh, I, I can guess this. The it's, um, it's the, the interface. No, oh, the user the interface. interface is so bad. Oh, enemies have health bars in this game that you can barely see. You told me that you were using them a bit, but I could not yeah. see them on my screen. They were too small. And also, like, all of the UI is really weirdly stretched into the corners. I don't know if that's because I'm just playing at a higher resolution, but if I wanted to know how much health I was on, I basically had to turn my neck to see the health bar. It's um, it's a multiplayer thing, James. That's what it boils down to. Um, you want maximum screen space for yeah. the action on your screen. Um, and the game has essentially been modded to in the Revengeance repack. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, The other enough. thing is, when you were playing, the health bars would be a lot less relevant because the enemies die so much faster. Whereas yeah. for me, I often had to grind out enemies with, you know, <laughs> a lot of those heavy enemies had like 500 HP. So yeah. Spin Fuser does, what, 70 damage a hit? It, it, it takes a while, man. This doesn't... Shit doesn't die too easily. Okay, uh. now... We've spoken about the story, the gameplay, the audio, and the graphics, right? And this brings us to, I guess, the crux of the argument, right? Which is, why would you play Tribes Vengeance when you could play Tribes Ascend instead? And I don't really think there's too much of an argument in this game's favor. Uh, both of these games are free. Tribes Ascend has much better gameplay because it's multiplayer and the game is, you know, this world is specifically designed for multiplayer. It looks better. It doesn't crash all the time. The only thing I think this game has, you know, going for it is that it has a single player experience. And as we both discussed, the story's not that good. So unless you really hate multiplayer, I kind of find it hard to recommend you play this game over Tribes Ascend, right? Because other than, you know, a little things, it's very similar. Yeah, so basically, I, I guess we're moving on to our final our final thoughts at this stage, because yeah. we've covered most of what we need to. Uh, I was hugely disappointed by this game. I've actually been wanting to do Tribes Vengeance for the show for quite a long time because of all the fond memories I have of Tribes Ascend, and we've played all these bloody clunky PlayStation <laughs> 1 games yeah. where, you know, the analog stick doesn't exist on the original PlayStation controller, so it wasn't designed. And I was, like, so looking forward to the slick and wonderful movement of Tribes. And then I played this game, and not only did I get a story that was, you know, awful... Like, not just even bad, like awful. One of the worst stories I've had the displeasure to experience. It's uh, You've I, definitely played games with worse stories, Patrick. You're, you know, you're having this up a I, lot. I, I am not. This story was garbage. I, a game without a story has a better story than this shit-stain attempt. I'm really mad at it. <laughs> but, but most importantly, with the gameplay, 
I felt like it was not leveraging the parts of what I love about Tribe successfully. This game could have had chase missions. It could have had capture the flag missions. It could have had defense missions where you needed to snipe fast moving targets out of the air. If it had missions like this, I would have been much more on board with what this game was trying to accomplish. Instead, I got an endless repetitive you know, crawl. I cannot recommend Tribes, and it hurts me to say that about a first-person shooter when I've recommended every single one so far. But this is the worst FPS I've played for the show. I'm, I think that, like James said, Tribes Ascend is where you want to go. They've got community servers. I'm sure the community is very welcoming. It's a bit of a steep learning curve, that's true, but it's far more enjoyable learning how to play the game in a multiplayer environment than subjecting yourself to this trash. I want to be clear, if Tribes Ascend didn't exist, because I think it's just a strict upgrade in many ways, if Tribes Ascend didn't exist, I probably would have given this game a soft recommend. Um, I had a lot more fun playing this game than many of the other shooters we've played for the show so far. I liked this game more than I liked Doom, I liked it more than Quake, and I liked it much more than Call of Duty, which I hated. Because I think, uh, you know, on normal, the movement and the, and the gunplay is really fun at a base level, and story wasn't so good, but... Like, the problem is, the core gameplay of Tribes is really fun, but there's a much better game out there for you to play if you want to experience it. So I think mm -hmm. the Tribes as a series is 100% a recommend, right? And the only way I can recommend Tribes Vengeance to somebody is if you like shooters but hate multiplayer. If that's the case, then yeah, definitely give this a spin. It's completely free and it does have some technical issues that, you know, past that one level aren't too bad of a problem. Um, but I think everybody who likes shooters should give the Tribes core gameplay a go. It's really fun. But Tribes Ascend does it better in almost every aspect, so look there first. Yeah, play Tribes Ascend. <laughs> I mean, uh, I, that about wraps it up, right, James? Is there anything else you wanted to add? Um, not really, other than that the story's not as bad as you said. It's just mediocre. The story is on record. We both agree. No. It's the worst <laughs> thing ever written. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, so much for listening to us today. We are the Retrospectives Podcast. You can find all of our content, including articles, at rspodcast.net. Most importantly, we would love if you would drop by our Discord server. We've got a decent little community uh, brewing now where we talk about games and I uh, talk about games I hate. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's good fun. Um, we talk about modern games, old games. If you've got a suggestion for a new game for us to play, oh, sorry, a suggestion for an old game for us to play. A new old game for us to play. Yes, a new old game, yeah. Um, or anything else, we'd uh, love to answer your questions. So please drop them by. We don't have a Patreon. I'm not going to tell you to send us an email. But if you drop by our Discord and have a chat, we would uh, love to have you there. Yeah, so that's us. What game are we playing moving into the next Fortnite, James? I think it had been a while since we played my favorite genre, which is 3D platformer. So we're going to go back in time <laughs> and play Sly Cooper 1 because out of the big three PlayStation 2 era 3D platformers, Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank and Sly Cooper, this is the one that I've never played before. And I love all the other games in this genre. So I'm really hoping that it kind of scratches that itch that I'm searching for. I have never even heard of this game. Like when you mentioned really? it, I had like this super vague recollection of it but i've never played it i've never seen it in action however 
the idea that it's a stealth game has me immediately intrigued. So I'm kind of a lot more on board for this than the other crappy platformers you usually recommend. Yeah, like that terrible Psychonauts game that you made us play, right? What? I said games you recommend. Uh, <laughs> I recommend the good, good games. games. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm looking forward to uh, playing Sly if you want to play it with us. This game has both a PS2 version and a PS3 HD remaster, so you can get it uh, from your local reseller if you're allowed to leave the house. <laughs> <laughs> Man, (laughs) how easy we forget these things. (laughs) Yeah, get it from your local GameStop, right? That's uh, currently not (laughs) open, probably. Um, So yeah, in these trying times, there's nothing better than sitting down with a fun game. So um, yeah, we hope you enjoyed listening to us. We are the Retrospectives Podcast. Till next time, see you then. Adios. Adios.